the cross. It was meant to horrify the world. It was meant for humiliation. It was meant to last for days. It was meant for slow asphyxiation. It was meant to prolong torture. It was the Roman soldier's job. It was meant to be used by Caesar, but instead, it was used by God. It was meant to stop a movement, but instead, it became the way. It was meant to act on fear, but instead, it awakened faith. It was meant to be vicious and violent, but instead, it became our peace. It was meant to uproot hope, but instead, it became the seed. It was meant to punish captives, but instead, it unleashed freedom. It was meant to build up Rome, but instead, it built God's kingdom. It was meant to discourage rebels. It was meant to stop insurrection. It was meant to put down Jesus, but instead, it set up his resurrection. It was meant to jeer and mock him, but instead, it was his glory. It was meant to erase a chapter, but instead, it became the story. It was meant to hold up convicts, but instead, it raised up a king. It was meant to shut our mouth, but instead, it's why we sing. It was meant to be a judgment, but instead, it became our mercy. It's why the song of heaven is the lamb. The lamb is worthy. It was meant to kill an enemy, crush dissenters and diversion, but instead, it became the banner of God's love for every person. It was meant to be appalling, nailing hands and feet to wood. It was meant to be used for evil, but instead, it was used for good. It was meant to be a symbol of God's assassination, but instead, it became the symbol of Jesus' invitation. Come cross. Instead of sin and stain, you are meant to be made clean. Instead of being forgotten, you are meant to know you're seen. Instead of being ashamed, you can leave behind your guilt. Instead of feeling empty, you were meant to be fulfilled. Instead of being broken, you are meant to be made whole. Here, Calvary is calling. It beckons you. Behold, come to the cross. Instead of being an accident, you have a purpose and a plan. Instead of being abandoned, you were chosen by his hand. For all who've said, I can't, God has said, I can. No matter what you've done, the invitation stands. Come to the cross. Instead of being doubtful, you are meant to know your father. You are meant to be his son and you are meant to be his daughter. You were cherished from the start. You were always in the picture. Instead of being a victim, you were meant to be a victor. The result of Jesus' blood, salvation has arrived. Instead of being dead, you are meant to be alive. The cross. 
It was meant to signal death, but instead, it's a sign of living. It was meant to be the end, but instead, it's our beginning. My freedom, your stripes, my healing, all praise, King Jesus. Glory to God in heaven, your blood still speaking, your love still reaching, all praise, King Jesus. Glory to God forever, your cross is my freedom. Your stripes are my healing. Oh, praise King Jesus. Glory to God in heaven. Your blood is still speaking. Your love is still reaching. Oh, praise King Jesus. Glory to God forever. so glad to have you here. And those of you tuning in online, stay standing. We're just going to, just a couple quick things, just to, to welcome you and, and so thrilled to have you here. If you are new, I met a few of you that are new, we'd love to connect with you in a couple different ways. One is, if you just text the word hello to our text number, which is 520-340-6868. Text the word hello. You've got a couple other texts. We'll be able to walk with you over the next four or five weeks. One text a week. I promise we won't spam you. Uh, but we'd love to answer questions, maybe help you find your way in connecting around here. If you're online, we've got amazing online hosts that can connect with you. There's a connection card on the top right button. And as we worship together tonight, we celebrate the fact that Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. And uh, we gather under the the amazing reality of how that changes life. And if you're kind of new to faith, maybe kind of spiritually searching, I hope tonight as we look into God's word, it just kind of awakens something within you because God loves you, friend. He loves you more than you can even know. 
and he's looking to connect with you. If you've been walking with him for a long time, he's got next steps for you to take, and uh, he just invites you into that. Tonight, we're going to kind of open with prayer in this uh, Grace Temple Missionary Baptist Church, Pastor Grady Scott, who I know. Uh, we we kind of pray for a church of the week around here every week because there's a million plus people in southern Arizona that aren't connected into any faith community. And we believe it takes the church, not just our church, to make a difference. And so we want to pray for Grace Temple and uh, for Pastor Grady and uh, pray for our time together tonight. And then we're going to lean into worship. We'll look into God's word a little bit, end with some worship. So that's kind of where we're going uh, for the next little bit. So so if you're at home, tune in with us. If you're here, lean in with us. And so God, we are so grateful to gather in the beautiful reality that you are a God who is alive and active. We just sit with that. You're not a God who was, you're a God who still is. God, each one of my friends here who we deeply love ones that are dialed in online. God, they need to have your activity afresh and anew in their life. And we pray your blessing over them. God, for Grace Temple and Pastor Grady, we pray your blessing over their church, their congregation. Father, Pastor Grady's been leading here for years. And I pray for just continued influence in the, in the realm and the scope of the city that you've called them to lead. Would you continue to put your blessing and provision and, uh, and vision into them and to their church? God, we want to be the church across our city. And in our time tonight, we're just asking that as we lean into you, that your spirit's presence would be here in a way that just kind of quickens our pulse, lets us hear and see you in maybe a new and fresh way or a refreshing way. So in these next few songs, as we worship you and aim our attention in your direction, would you loosen your spirit into each heart and each life that's here watching online to influence, to hear, to whisper your encouragement, your love, your hope to their life tonight, we pray. I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry the kind of weight It was my tomb Till I met I was breathing the night All my failures I tried to hide It was my turn Till I met you They called my name And I ran out of that
promise your buried body begins to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declare the grave has no claim on me before you tonight and it's so easy to just year after year we we have these holidays and traditions and things that that we celebrate we celebrate the death and the resurrection of, of you this season this Easter season but man if we really sit here and think about it we dwell on who you are and why you came man It's an incredible, epic tale of your love, your pursuit of us. And Lord, not that you died on the cross, but that you defeated death. And through that have given each of us the same resurrection power that you dwell within us, your Holy Spirit. Father, may this church, may each of us be reminded that no matter where we stand in life, that the power of the risen Christ, it's available to us because of your death and your resurrection. God, I want to live like somebody who's been given that gift, given that power. And I know others around here that want to do the same thing. 
Thank you for being our living hope. You're alive. We want to carry that life well. We praise you, Jesus. You are so worthy of our praise. We thank you for dying on the cross. And we thank you for the mission that you have called us to. And that you live and dwell within us. And we look forward to all that you have for us. Move in this place. Father, create this friction in our hearts, in our minds, that as we rub up against your spirit, Father, there would be power, there would be work, there would be an energy to take us to a place that we look more like you. We love you. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thanks, man. So good to, to have you with us and a part of Easter. It's great just to, to gather. Um, if, if we haven't met, uh, I'm, I'm Jack, one of the pastors here, and uh, it's a real, no, oh, hey, um, it's a real delight to have you in the room, and I know uh, several of you online as well, and, and if you are new, I just, um, man, thanks so much for taking a chance. Um, I know it takes courage coming to a new place, and, and, and part of, uh, I would love just to, I just want you guys to know, man, I, I love you. I love this place. I love these people. And, and if we haven't met yet, we'll get there. Um, but uh, I'd love to invite you to the 10-minute party at the end of service. It's just a quick 10 minutes. So you get free gift. And uh, we'd love to say hey. But um, to, tonight, I want us to lean into this, this powerful reality of Easter that we just sang about, that Gabe prayed about, that... Um, is a truth that meets each of us. And I know everyone here is at different spaces in their spiritual journey. Uh, you may be at the very kind of at the cusp of your spiritual journey. Maybe the last two years of COVID, it's been this cloud and it's just something has felt like it's off or that it's just not significant enough, and you're kind of maybe in that beginning stage of just trying to figure things out. For others of you, maybe you've been tracking with Jesus for a long time, and some of you maybe just trying to investigate who he is. And, and tonight, I hope that you'll lean into the story in John chapter 20. So if you have your Bibles, you can go there. If not, if you just open up the Element City Church app, you can go to Sermon Notes and actually follow along with us digitally there. Um, and uh, that's a, a great way to to, to kind of go with this, but I want to talk about tonight this idea of moving from hesitation to hope. Moving from hesitation to hope, because here's what I know about you and what I know about me. We've all spent time at like the hesitation kind of moment. Uh, think back to your childhood, right? Uh, maybe in your childhood, like mine, uh, there was moments of hesitation. Maybe you've seen the memes of the kids who were handed cotton candy for the first time, right? And, and like one little girl, she hugs it. She, it's like a Furby to her and, and not quite sure what to do with it. And then like people motion for her to eat it. And then she eats it and like her eyes light up like crazy. And like she was hesitation to, okay, I don't know what you're giving me. And I, I'm just going to take it. I'm going to, because you're the person who takes care of me. I guess I'll just hold 
hold because you're tired of holding it. Uh, and then like you, you had me taste it and now like her whole world has changed because cotton candy, come on, can we get an amen for cotton candy? Okay, just like it's one of those air things. Like have you ever seen them make cotton? Like just rolling the thing around. Like nothing's there, but then it's there. Okay, so like it, cotton candy is one of those things. Maybe you, you, for you, it was at the edge of the pool, right? You're, you're, I don't know how old you were when you started swimming. Maybe you haven't started swimming, and if that's okay, I think they make adult swimmies. And so like, um, but like maybe you're there and you're at the edge of the pool, right? And, and your parent or aunt, uncle, whoever it is, like some adult that has care over you is like, hey, jump! And you're like, I can't swim yet. Like, why, why do you want me to jump to my death? Uh, and like, we, and we tell kids, just chop, I got you. Uh, and like, as a kid, there's that hesitation. You're at the corner, like the edge of the pool. You're like, ah. And then you finally do it, right? And then it's, then it's the only thing you want to do at, at that point, after you've accomplished that and done that. I remember uh, Callie, our youngest, when she was playing softball, right? And, you know, I had the other kids go through baseball and softball, and she's there at softball, and, like, batting was the worst for her. Like, she did not like being, like, the batter's box was, like, not a good place. Uh, and so every time she had to go up into the batter's box, it was like, just I'm just going to stand here and hope I don't get hit. Uh, and so we, we worked on this. Uh, like, I even hit her with the ball. Just, I don't know if that's good dad, bad dad. I don't know. But, like, just trying to help her overcome that fear. Anyway, so, like, we get there. And then finally, like, halfway through the season, she, I don't know if it was an accident or not, but, like, swung the bat, hit the ball, and, and like, someone made an, an error or two. Uh, and she got to first base. And, like, it changed softball forever for her. Maybe you've gone from hesitation to hope. I remember, this is a, just a shame, uh, I moved out here from Pennsylvania when I was about seven or so, and I was a really picky eater. How many of you are picky eaters? Or you were, as a kid, you were, like, you had five menu items. That's all you ate. Um, I was, like, one of those kids. And so we moved out here from the East Coast to, to here in the Southwest, and everything here is, like, Mexican food, right? And so, like, I didn't think I'd like it. And so it just had like those things like onions and peppers and jalapeno, I don't know how to say it. And, and like, I was scared of it. And so I didn't eat it. And even like, this is, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. Like even into my sophomore year of high school, You all just backed away from me right there in your mind. Uh, I felt it. Uh, and so, like, you know, my sophomore year of high school, I'm on the, the golf team, which makes me cool. I don't know. Um, but, like, we're down in Benson. At a, like, we're there. And every time we went to a Mexican food, my parents loved it. And they tried to convince me. And I was like, no, I'll take a burger. Um, so I'm on a golf trip. And, and Coach Dyer, we're all at this restaurant, Mexican restaurant. And, and I go to order a burger. And he says, you're ordering What? And I said, just a burger, just a burger, just cheeseburger. Um, and he's like, you will not order a cheeseburger on my watch. Uh, I'm the golf coach, and you'll eat what I order. He'll take a chicken chimichanga. Uh, and so, like, he orders this for me, and I'm dreading this. And then I bite into it. How many of you have ever had a spiritual moment with Mexican food? Um, <laughs> because my life was changed forever there. Like tacos and Mexican food are a food group to me now. Uh, and like everything changed, it was super hesitant. 
and then it moved into this incredible, I hope you guys love Mexican food because if you go to heaven, it is a full buffet all the time. I'm just telling you. I don't know if I can find a scripture reference for that, but I think it's inferred um, that it is the food of heaven and it will be something that you enjoy forever and ever and ever. And like it changed my life and I know that's silly in some ways, but listen, we've all had those moments. And maybe in your teenage years, you actually learned that you could walk up to a machine and insert a card and it would give you cash. (laughs) What? What a world to live in. And like all that. Now, I know for you Gen Zers now, you're like, "Uh, we don't need to do cash. What's that? I'm like, coins? What? Um, So like, I get it. Um, uh, But this idea, we all have moments where we move from hesitation to hope. And friends, at the core of Easter's message, I think it's that. It's how Jesus wants to help people move from hesitation, from doubt, from uh, from inquiry, from questioning, into a hope that can actually hold you and that you can hold on to. And all throughout the scriptures we see this. 2,000 years ago we believe that the scriptures claim that God became flesh in the person of his son Jesus. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a life without sin, took all of our sin upon himself and died on a cross on your behalf and my behalf. But that wasn't the end of his story because three days later he got back up. It's not like he went to sleep and took a nap. He was dead and gone. It was a period supposed to be at the end of that sentence, but it was one of those dot, dot, dots. The sentence just kept going, and the story actually picked up steam, that he resurrected, proving that he is God in the flesh. We say the phrase, we see it in the scriptures, he is risen. It's three words, but in Greek, it's one word. Egero. Egero literally means to waken or to rouse from the dead. And I believe that the scriptures declare and that Jesus displayed in his life that he longs to do that for people in every country, in every generation, to rouse and to waken people up to life with God. And that life with God is available not through your efforts, not through how you live your life, but simply because of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. That the resurrection we celebrate on Easter proved and changed everything. Uh, What does Elgero have to do with us 2,000 years later? Everything. Uh, Because if it's not true, then we're just kidding ourselves. There is no real hope. And what we're doing, though harmless, is actually useless. But if it's true, then it changes everything. The the Apostle Paul, who I don't know if you know much of his story, in 1 Corinthians 15, he's writing through the church in Corinth, and and in there he writes some phrases that are are pretty pretty long. We're going to read a little bit of them, but he kind of, he's saying, listen, I want you to stake everything about Christianity on this resurrection of Jesus, Because if it happened, it changed everything. And if it didn't happen, then we're just blowing smoke and playing church. I'm paraphrasing what he said. (laughs) But what he's saying is this is important. Like it's the linchpin of all things. Here's what he says, verse 3, chapter 15. I passed on to you what was most important and what was been passed on to me. 
Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12, the early disciples. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at the one time, most of whom are still living, though some have died. Then he was seen by James. James is the brother of Jesus. Think about that. James became the leader of the church in Jerusalem and wrote the book of James in the New Testament, inspired by the Holy Spirit. What would your brother have to do to convince you that he's the Messiah? Because James wasn't convinced until something happened. And then he died for that faith. What was it that happened? Oh, I don't know, his brother died and then came back. That hasn't happened and it changed everything for James. He appeared to James. Last of all, as though one born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I'm the least of the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle because of the way I persecuted God's church. See, the apostle Paul was a Pharisee. His name was Saul, and he was actually trying to stamp out the early Christian church, putting people in prison and watching over their deaths. And Jesus woke him up. And Caro, he is risen. Powerful interaction with Paul, and it changed his life. And half of your New Testament is inspired by the Holy Spirit, written through Paul. A guy who persecuted the church is suddenly the one of the greatest church planners ever and dies for his faith. No one dies for a lie. People will lie, that's true. But people won't die for a lie. And Paul took it to his death. Here's what he says, verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. And if we apostles uh, would all be lying about God, for we said that God raised Christ from the grave. If there was no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty in your sins. And if our hope is in Christ in just this life, then we are to be more pitied than anyone in the world. Paul makes this incredible declaration. If this is a lie, if it's made up, if it didn't happen, then shame on us and we're to be pitied above everybody. But if, if it happened, it changes everything. First Peter, Peter writes this, this epistle to the early church and he's saying, listen, everything hinges on this. He is our living hope that's founded in the resurrection of Jesus. It's not founded on how good you are, how good I am. It's how great Jesus is. And that his resurrection proves that there's real hope in this life and in the life to come. So what does it mean to us today? Everything. Everything hinges on it. However, there is a difference between simply believing that Jesus rose from the grave and and believing that it actually applies to your life. There's a difference about hearing about Mexican food and experiencing there's a difference. And see, this is the point. I want to quickly look at uh, one of the greatest questioners. Some people call him the doubter, 
Thomas, one of the early followers of Jesus. See, as Jesus would pick up the 12 disciples, you may have heard that. The 12 disciples were kind of the, the closest disciple followers. A disciple is an apprentice of. It's kind of like trade school, if you think about it, that, that a, a rabbi was kind of the rock star of the day. In, in a Jewish context and understanding, a rabbi was the teacher, and you wanted a Talmud. And the Talmud was a group of followers who would follow you around, and they would really be trying to fashion their life after you. They would be your disciple, which means they were apprenticing under you. It, it, wasn't, it was more than just a school education. It, it was deeper than that. The, the rabbi was actually trying to pass on who he was and what he had to say about life to you. And you were uh, kind of living your life in alignment with that to grow in that. And, and Thomas is one of those early disciples that Jesus says, Thomas, I want you to be my disciple, which is fascinating because rabbis would go around and they would look for the brightest and the best. And when you look at the disciples of Jesus, let's be honest, they're not the brightest and the best. Why? Because they were fishermen. They were a tax collector. They, they were a zealot. They were other occupations. See, when you were part of the Talmud, you got drafted into that early on. And if you didn't get drafted into that early on, well, you just went back to your father's trade. You didn't make the cut. You weren't good enough. And so one day, Jesus says, Thomas, I want you on my team. I want you to follow me. And Thomas you have to understand what that would have been like in that moment. He leaves everything to follow Jesus and follows him around for three years as his disciple, one of those inner disciples. And it's toward the last week of Jesus' life as they're making their way to Jerusalem. And it's moving toward Easter, but before Easter was Easter. And so they're making their way to this final week, and Jesus actually, after three years of moving, what everybody thought was going to happen is that Jesus was going to overthrow Rome, and it would be this military coup that was going to happen. And Jesus said, no, that, that's an enemy of the state for sure, but you have a bigger enemy, and you don't even know it. The bigger enemy is sin, and it's what separates you from a perfect and holy God, and I'm actually here to deal with that enemy this time. And so I've come to accomplish that. Here's what's going to happen. They're actually going to take my life. And no one really takes it from me. I actually lay it down because that's why I've come to seek and save the lost. Well, that didn't make much sense to the disciples who thought this was their moment where they were going to overthrow the mighty Rome. And Jesus is arrested and he's flogged and beaten and hung on a cross and he dies. And you think the story's over because every other person I know who has that unfold in their story, that's the end of the story. There's a period there. Like, there's nothing that happens after that. And, and so the disciples are bewildered. They've, they've been run. No one except John was actually there at the cross. Everyone's scattered and it's a few days after, or a couple days after the resurrection, Jesus appears to some of the disciples that are gathered in a room. And the resurrected Jesus shows up in the room and says, peace be with you. But where's Thomas? He wasn't there. Why? Well, think about it. If you've invested three years of your life 
you didn't make the cut and then you got drafted and it was the best day of your life and then you watch the worst day of your life as the person that you've committed your whole life to following is suddenly gone and you don't understand the bewilderment and the depression that very well could have been there. And so he's AWOL, gone, running, probably trying to figure out what in the world has just happened. It's over. Everything I thought I was moving forward in. It's just gone. It's crumbled and disintegrated in, in my lap. And what am I going to do now? And the disciples say, Thomas. They find him. Thomas, we have seen the risen Jesus. He's alive. Like, he's back. Like, something happened. I don't even fully know how to get my mind around it, but we've seen him. He's here. Everything is different. We, we're confused. Thomas, you gotta come see. No, no, no. Unless I put my hands in where the nail marks were for him, I won't believe. In fact, there's three ways in Greek where you could say, I will not believe. Thomas uses the strongest one. And, And what he says in John chapter 20 toward the end is, I will not be convinced. I'm hesitant. I'm doubting. In fact, we even give him a nickname. Doubting Thomas. You've heard that phrase? That comes from the Bible. From one of the earliest followers of Jesus who became bewildered and disillusioned when the crucifixion happened. And Thomas is lost. And he's trying to figure things out. I want to understand that he was swimming in doubt. And for some of you who are here, that may be your stance, your posture. All right, preacher guy. Yeah, I know this is what you're going to talk about. But I don't know. I've looked around. The world's pretty broken. It is. It is. I don't know. I've never seen a person get up from the dead. Me neither. Done a lot of funerals. A lot of them. Never had that surprise moment. I don't know if you can scientifically prove it. Probably not, because Jesus doesn't fit in a laboratory. Like, that's kind of weird anyway. Um, So, like, historical evidence. In fact, there's lots of agnostics and former atheists who are leading thinkers of the world, scientists, who somewhere along the way did their own search and actually moved from hesitation to hope in their own journey, investigating the story of Jesus And so my question to you is, have you investigated the story of Jesus? It may be worth your time. It may be worth some of your energy to begin to actually truly understand it or lean into it. See, doubt might be the first step toward faith. See, I grew up in a church a lot of times, maybe you did too, where doubt was something you shouldn't talk about. Uh, Like, you shouldn't be a person who ever doubts. And the reality of what you see in the story here of John chapter 20 is I think Jesus is okay with doubt. I think Jesus is okay with questions. Because what you're going to see is Jesus showed up for the early disciples and then there's one who was really doubting. And Jesus came back for him. I think that's incredibly significant. That didn't have to be included in the Bible but it was. 
Because I think there's every one of us stands in a moment where we're just hesitant, where we're struggling with, God, why does this happen? Why does this happen? Why did you allow this to happen? And I could just speak for me. I've been in moments where it's, God, this doesn't make sense. I don't get it. I don't understand what you're doing or what you're not doing. And I don't think I'm alone in those moments. But here's what my prayer is for you. That just like I've experienced, when you're in those moments, that you would not close yourself off, but you would remain open to just maybe, maybe God could meet you in that moment and begin to walk you out of hesitation toward true and real hope. Maybe what you dug your stance in and your posture about, it's like, no way, that's not going to happen. I don't think that's good for me. Maybe, maybe, you might become convinced a different thing. That you might experience something that would grow. See, doubt and wonder, that is so much part of childhood. What's a three-year-old's favorite word? Why? 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 Am I giving you any PTSD right now? Okay, so it's just like, that's a three-year-old's favorite. Why? Because they're curious. Part of doubt and part of struggle and part of questions is curiosity. And part of wrestling with this is saying, God, are you real? Are you real? I don't... I don't know, I've got these questions. Do I believe this whole Christianity thing because my parents were believers? Am I just a weak person who's looking for a a spiritual crutch? Friend, God's not afraid of your hard questions. He's not afraid of the confusion that might swirl within you. I think God actually longs for people to begin to seek in his direction because he is a God who seeks in your direction. And I think he loves to meet people halfway. I think it's one of the joys of his heart is to meet people in the midst and in the middle. And Jesus, what you read in John chapter 20, is he meets Thomas where he's at. See, God loves seekers. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, he said. He loves to seek people. Hebrews chapter 11, the author of Hebrews writes this, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. I think God not only loves to seek, but he loves seekers. People who are searching who maybe have some questions and doubts. In John chapter 20, verse 26 and 27, here's how this story kind of packs up and and finishes with Thomas. The disciples are saying, we've seen Jesus. He's back. I won't believe it. No, I'm hesitant. I'm not going to put my faith in him. I've got to, if this is true, it, it demands everything in my life. And I will not believe it unless I see it. For some of you, that might be a familiar posture of your heart. That was Thomas's posture. And Jesus shows up in verse 26 and 27, and he announces to the disciples a second time. And Thomas is there this time. Peace be with you, 
his first words. The phrase literally means, all peace in all ways at all times be with you. Jesus gave Thomas the most benevolent greeting possible. He did not scold him for his doubt. He did not belittle him for not believing. And he did not write him off. Rather, he greeted him warmly. Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. That was Jesus' message to the one who was hesitant. And suddenly, he begins to have hope. Jesus gave Thomas exactly what he needed to believe. And I believe that God's still in the business of doing that in our day, in our age, for the people that we rub shoulders with. And it may not give you everything you want, but I believe God will give you what you need. And so, friend, you keep asking. You keep searching. He searches for you. I love what Wolfhart Pannenberg, which is just a fun name to say, let's be honest. Here's what he says. The evidence for Jesus' resurrection is so strong that nobody would question it except for two things. First, it's very unusual. Yes, it hasn't happened before until then. It hasn't happened since. It is an unusual event. And second, if you believe it happened You have to change the way you live. It demands everything of you. See, doubt is the prelude to knowledge. And it's in his doubt that Jesus appeared and acknowledged Thomas. He didn't wait for Thomas to get over it. He met him in the middle. And I believe Jesus still meets people in the middle. He begins to remove doubt for Thomas. See, touch, here, I'm here. Here I am. Stop doubting and believe. And what's Thomas's response? My Lord and my God. Which for a Jewish person to say is punishable by death, if you understand what's happening in the Roman culture and world. You just declared Jesus was Lord over Caesar. You don't do that. But Thomas did. Why? Because he became convinced. I was hesitant. And Jesus, you moved me to hope. And it changed everything for me. Friends, some of us in this room, some of us watching online, we've been in that position of hesitancy. I don't know. Maybe I'll just keep Jesus like as a trinket. You know, he's nice. I like having him around. But I don't know if I, my Lord and my God, like give up everything for him. See, that's what a disciple does. That's someone who wears Jesus more than just a bumper sticker. Jesus isn't asking to be your bumper sticker. If the resurrection is true, then Jesus is saying, I'm the Lord of it all. Will you follow me? You are second fiddle. You are not all that in a bag of chips. I am. And it's in that moment where we get our priorities right. See, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, Often, uh, as a person who's surrendered their life to Jesus, it it comes to that constant surrender. 
And that continual surrender, it's that first step into faith of like, hey, I can't work my way to a perfect and holy God. I can't go to church enough, give enough money, do enough good things, help enough old ladies across the street. Uh, I can't do enough in order to earn God's approval and attention even, let alone be made right with him. I'm sinful, I'm broken. And I think if we're honest, if it was just you and me at coffee, I think you would probably go, yeah, I, I know me and I'm pretty broken. Listen, I would tell you the same thing. I know me, and I'm pretty broken. And I, and I don't need a self-help guide. I need a savior. And that's what Jesus came to be. Romans 10, 9 says, if those uh, will confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, which is what Thomas said, and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. It's about acknowledging, I need a savior. And I'm taking a step to say, Jesus, I'm all in on you. I, I don't want to try to do the effort to get things right with God. I'm going to ride your coattails. Thank you for doing what I could never do. And, and now, as I surrender in faith in that, now it's about next steps of faith. Not about earning, but about following Jesus as a disciple of him, as an apprentice of him a student of him who's learning to live more and more the ways he talks about. We're going to do a series here coming up going through the Sermon on the Mount uh, through this summer that is all about Jesus' most famous sermon he ever gave. And it's really about this, hey, hey how, do you, how do you live the best possible way to live life? He's going to tell you. We're going to dive into it together this summer. And so I invite you to that. But it's about these next steps. And part of that next step is baptism. It's coming to a place where you say, okay, I'm going to acknowledge that I need a Savior. And really the picture of baptism, uh, we'll talk about more of this next week, is this, that it's your life and you're kind of buried with Christ, you're raised to live a new life with him based on what he did. And we've got a few people here that are ready to, to go forward in kind of the public faith of baptism, and we're going to celebrate that next week. In fact, I invite all of you back to celebrate with us, and I'm telling you, you don't want to miss, because not only is it going to be awesome in here, and we're going to celebrate baptisms, but afterwards, we're going to have a full buffet barbecue dinner, like free, um, like we're not joking. Uh, like, because if we're going to celebrate, we're going to celebrate. And so I invite you back to that. Uh, if you hate barbecue, then sorry. Um, that's sad. That's really sad. I hated Mexican food. You can get over it. You can move from hesitation to hope. I'm telling you, you'll, have, you'll find hope next week. Um, but this idea uh, of baptism is simply saying, hey, I want to let people know that I'm going all in on Jesus because he went all in on me. That was Thomas's realization. Jesus, I'm going to go all in. Do you know what happened to Thomas? Scholars talk about Thomas going to India from 52 to about 72 AD, and he planted church after church after church. And then when he was challenged one day, he said uh, some, a group of people began to challenge him about the resurrection of Jesus, and he challenging him to denounce Jesus' resurrection. And he said, no, I'll never do that. You'll have to kill me first. And they did. Every one of the disciples, except for John, who was abandoned on an island, that's torture, every single one of them died for their faith in a resurrected Jesus. Think about that. Nobody dies for a lie. You wouldn't, and I wouldn't either. 
But if it's true, then maybe they move from hesitation to a secure hope that holds them in this life and the life to come. All because of Jesus, our resurrected Savior. So Father, as we close tonight in worship, God, this story of of Thomas is that, I think, a story for each one of us. There's gonna be moments where we're hesitant. And, And Jesus, I thank you that you are a God who is big enough to handle our questions, our struggles, and actually steps into those moments to meet us in the middle. I pray for my friends here. Jesus, would you continue to step into the middle of those moments for them and meet them there? That just like Thomas, they would become convinced that you are who you say you are. God, for some that are maybe here been searching things spiritually and and tonight it's like the light bulb went on. Wow, Jesus really did this. If that's you, man, I just challenge you to surrender your life to Jesus. There's not a fancy prayer that goes with that. It really is what Paul wrote in Romans 10, 9. If you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And so maybe even in the seat where you are or on the other, line, other end of online, you can even take a moment right now to say, Jesus, I need you. I confess that I need you. You are Lord. You're my Savior, and I need you. I believe that you were raised from the dead and that you can raise me up to live the kind of life you long for me to experience with you. Man, if you, if you did that, I just want to challenge you to, to tell the friend that brought you to come see. We're going to have elders down front here at the end of service. If you just need prayer tonight, they'd love to pray for you. But we'd also love to celebrate with you. If you're here and you've never been baptized, but you want to make a public faith statement, Jesus, I'm going all in on you because you went all in on me, then I'm telling you, be here next week. Bring a pair of swim trunks. We'll have a dark shirt, element shirt to give you. If you show up next week and you you forgot everything, we're going to have shorts and a shirt for you. We're going to do a baptism celebration. It means we're going to worship We're going to baptize some people. We're going to worship. We're going to baptize some people. We're going to worship. Then we're going to eat like pigs, okay? So it's going to be a great Sunday. We're going to celebrate what Jesus is doing in the lives of people. And if that's you, then this is the invitation. Say yes to Jesus. And then follow him in baptism next week. Sound good? So as we worship... um, that's cool. You can clap. Not, not for me. Clap for Jesus. He's awesome. Um, and <clears throat> as we, we close in worship, I just invite you to let your heart be awakened and roused again within you that Jesus is alive and he's active and he longs to help people. And what if we as a church long to help people move from hesitation to a hope 
that can hold them and carry them forward. Let's be that kind of church. Tonight be our moment 
to go from hesitation to hope as we look to the cross and see what's on the other side. That because of that moment on the cross, we find our freedom. But because he rose from the dead, we can now have life and we can have life abundant through Jesus. So let's sing this together.
See, when you're the resurrected Savior, you never stop saving. Jesus said, I've come to seek and save the lost. That job isn't over. That job actually just began at the resurrection. For some of you, he may be knocking on the door of your heart. Just say yes to him. Say yes to him. If you're here and you're interested in getting baptized, then come back next week. Let's do it. We're going to celebrate together. And I invite you to kind of take that plunge, if you will, (laughs) to actually say, Jesus, I want people to know that I'm a follower of you because you came seeking to save me and you found me. So give your life to that. So I invite you back next week. Uh, If you are new, I'd love to meet you at the 10-minute party. Um, uh, Karen's back there. I'll be back there in a second. Um, We'd love to just kind of help walk with you. We'll have a couple elders down here. I think Lyle and Gabe and Kevin will be down front. If you just need someone to pray with you tonight, if if you said yes to Jesus and you kind of said, hey, I want to go all in on this, come talk to one of those guys. We'd love to to pray with you, encourage you. If you need a Bible, we'll get you one. Uh, Again, if you just need some prayer. We'd love to pray for you tonight. Friend, happy Easter to you. May you leave here knowing that you are loved and you are commissioned to show people that kind of love in the way that you live this week. May you go in his grace and his power until we gather again next week. God bless you.